You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here all week. We are talking about the Republicans gathered in Cleveland to select their nominee officially for the November presidential contest. And I want to have a conversation now about history, what history says about what the extraordinary events we've seen unfold in the Republican Party over the past year as Donald Trump at one time sort of considered a joke candidate. Certainly an outsider uh, started to, to build momentum and win primaries and has gotten enough pledged delegates uh, to become the party's nominee, even as uh, the elders of the party, the sort of establishment, have said, uh, this is this is not okay, this is awful, this is sort of uh, a perversion of what it means to be a Republican. For a lot of people, the Republican Party is the party of Lincoln, for instance. Uh, for a lot of other people, the Republican Party is the party of Reagan, and there's always been, in my mind at least, a big gap between those two things. And I've always wondered how you can reconcile uh, the two. Uh, but how similar are those two former giants of the GOP? And how much more similar do they maybe seem now, given that Donald Trump, who is not like either of them in, in all honesty, uh, is going to represent the party on the November ballot? We want to hear from you about this. What are you thinking about the Republican Party? What does it mean? What does it stand for? And where is its future after? Donald Trump uh, becomes the nominee uh, for president of the party, which is expected to happen this week. Is this a threat to the idea of republicanism? Is this something that Republicans have uh, have sown themselves through the language that they've used, the coded language they've used about very divisive divisive issues in the last couple of decades, or is this just uh, a, a mild transformation? Is this uh, a speed bump in uh, the road for a party that has been around uh, for a couple of centuries? Give us a call three one three five seven seven one zero one nine if you want to let us know how you feel about that or what you're thinking as you're watching uh, the convention happened this week in Cleveland. 313-577-1019 is the number. And joining me to talk about uh, how this convention, this year's events fit into the history of the Republican Party is Mark Crewman, an American history professor at Wayne State University. Mark, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah. So, so give me just your sort of um, five-minute uh, take on how Donald Trump and the phenomenon that we've seen in the last year fits into the sort of context of a party whose history, as I pointed out in the open, uh, is very rich and, and spans itself a very broad spectrum uh, of American politics. How does, how does Donald Trump fit into that? I think that that's a fairly big question. Uh, <laughs> We've got all day, right? <laughs> well, at least five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that if we, we go back to the original iconic Republican with Abraham Lincoln, I think that you can find uh, at least a, an intellectual thread that ties him uh, to Reagan in certain ways. Uh, Republican Party and its emergence uh, was at least partly predicated on an argument about social mobility, 
that an individual uh, should be able to earn uh, his, almost always his, yeah. own bread. Right. And that you might work for someone one year, uh, be a partner the next year, and hire someone a third year. <laughs> now, that was uh, Lincoln's shorthand for understanding that in this country, uh, there was an assumption that there would be, at least in the American North at the time, uh, opportunity to rise. Uh, at the time he was articulating those beliefs, the actual mobility was already shrinking from where it had been. Yes. But I think that that's, it's that kind of imagined uh, republicanism uh, that at least partly animated Ronald Reagan. Uh, a, a sense of uh, a, a new beginning, an, uh, an opportunity to rise on one's own merits. Yeah. Uh, where you find very sharp differences is that the Lincoln and Republican Party of the 1860s uh, was also the party that exercised significant national power with, first and most importantly, the eradication of slavery, but also building the transcontinental railroad. Yes. And so I, I think that uh, that there are two cru there is a crucial difference there in that long line of Lincoln to Reagan. Where Trump comes in and is with the absence, the very stark absence of social mobility for many people who had taken opportunity uh, for granted. And in a uh, post-industrial knowledge economy, uh, it is... Uh, poorly educated yeah. white men who are feeling a uh, the absence of mobility. And we've been able to document a growing wealth gap over the last several decades that neither Republicans nor Democrats have been able to really put a dent in. Right. Right. Um, would you describe uh, Trump's candidacy as a crisis for the Republican Party? And what I what I say by that is not I'm not talking about in electoral terms. I mean, I, he, he you know, will perform the way he's going to perform at the ballot box. I guess I'm asking more in the in terms of. Uh, the, the party's sort of foundation and what it stands for. Is he, is he sort of, or has he awakened uh, uh, a, a wing of the party uh, to ideas and feelings that will make it really difficult uh, if he doesn't win, for instance, in November, to sort of go back to the mainstream Republican candidates and ideas that we've seen for, for a very long time? I think it'll be very difficult to simply reestablish uh, that which was. I don't see that that is easily going to happen. I think that you can witness some of the negotiation with it in someone like 
John McCain, who was uh, publicly insulted by uh, the nominee of his party, who has come out in support of uh, of Mr. Trump, uh-huh. and yet he is going not going to be in Cleveland. How do you hit that balance between that base that has always voted for McCain in Arizona? with a, a a personal revulsion. Right. So I think that that's where, I think that Republicans are going to have to grapple with the fact that, as uh, I think numerous conservative commentators have pointed out recently, is that they've not, that the policies of the party have not been responsive to the interests of the white working class voters who have been their base. Who've been the backbone, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Mark Kruman, an American history professor at Wayne State University. Uh, We're talking about the Republican Party uh, and this week's Republican National Convention, how Donald Trump and his phenomenon fits into uh, the history of the Republican Party. Is it an anomaly? Is it a threat? Uh, to the party itself? Is the party transforming in a way uh, that will last far after this election? If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Rhonda and Troy. Rhonda, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you. Good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I wanted to say that I feel that the GOP did this to themselves, starting with the Southern southern strategy, by deciding that strategically pointing their party at groups and things like that took it away from a platform that made sense for what they really believed in. And consequently, they've got a Frankenstein and Donald Trump, who is a person where celebrity is more important than substance, and his his, uh, absolute not caring about having any depth whatsoever. I read in the New Yorker today that he doesn't read books. He reads only magazines that he's on the cover for. And I believe that, that the idea that the dumbing down of a political candidate to appeal to the, to the uh, public is quite dangerous. And I really do agree, agree with the professor that it's going to be difficult to get back on track. Yeah, Rhonda, um, thanks, um, thanks very much uh, for that call. Uh, Professor Kruman, uh, uh, one of the things she brought up there that I definitely want to address is this idea that the Republicans have have sort of planted the seeds for this uh, with the way they have appealed uh, to, to, to core constituencies over several decades. I've written a couple times and said on radio and television that I believe that that's true, that, that if you go back to the things that, uh, that Richard Nixon said uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, if you go back to the things that Reagan said, if you go back to, to political strategies that they've employed across those decades since the civil rights movement, uh, there has been this cynical appeal uh, uh, to bigotry to, to, and to nationalism, a, a very dark form of nationalism, uh, in very coded terms. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, comes out and says, well, let's strip the, 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 the window dressing here and just talk about it. You know, let's build a wall uh, with Mexico to keep uh, uh, 
people from that country from from flooding over the border. Let's have a religious test for immigrants, uh, and and say that if you're Muslim, eh, we're gonna we're gonna hold off for for a bit. These are echoes in some way of things that have been said before. Does that? Um, I, I guess the question is: Does that mean that the, the the sort of protestations we hear from Republicans about Donald Trump and what he's doing are are not to be believed? I think that they're to be believed, but I also think that the history of uh, Republican appeals as. Uh, last caller talked about the uh, Southern strategy of Nixon, but I would actually push it back four years earlier to the Goldwater, Goldwater. campaign yeah. because Goldwater's opposition to the Civil Rights Act uh, transformed in important ways uh, the uh, votes of African Americans. And there had been a shift from Republicans to Democrats in the 30s during the New Deal, but mm -hmm. Republicans still remained competitive with African-American voters. Goldwater effectively put an end to that. So even whatever his own uh, views, the uh, Republicans in effect, picked up and uh, and embraced that. I, I think that there's a little uh, doubt that Richard Nixon was reaching out to the white South. Sure. And uh, and that was uh, that was quite explicit. It was not really coded. <laughs> you don't feel like that was even coded. Yeah. No, I think that and I, I do think that there are. It has not been a major thread of the Republican Party. Periodically, the Willie Horton. Uh, sure. That's 1988. Um, George H.W. Bush uses, uses this uh, black criminal as sort of a sign of the threat to, 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 to white society. And you can... Uh, talk about the uh, Reagan's welfare mother driving mm -hmm. uh, Cadillac. Uh -huh. uh, they're, they're not terribly hidden messages. Yeah. Uh, the, the real key, it seems to me, though, is that even within those coded comments, that's not the whole. Right. Of the Republican Party, right, right, and and I think that Donald Trump has been making it the whole. It's more <laughs> than just uncovering and making more explicit these appeals, but it's making it the heart of everything that he says and does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got some more calls here. Let's go to Mike and Romeo. Mike, welcome to Detroit today. Hello? Hey, Mike. Got to turn your radio down. <laughs> well, definitely. Yeah, okay. like I was talking to you about, uh, you know, I, I'm a Democrat, but I have followed this all along. And like I was saying before, since the Tea Party took over, and there's so much animosity built up within the Republican Party, I can see why Baylor had enough 
Right. I said, I'm out of here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because he could never get nothing done. <laughs> and from that point, from that point then on, it's just like it's any man's world in the Republican Party. Who wants to do what? Nobody wanted to do nothing, <laughs> you know. And then Trump goes, well, why not be president? Because uh, he had he had his gate, so he jumped in there. Yeah. And nobody thought he'd get this far, but that's because of all the factions he got behind him, even like the KKK, you know, that he recognized. Yeah. And the and different minority factions that weren't really, you know, I can't, yeah, I like to say, but I can't say. <laughs> but uh, that's, I, yeah. you can't call it all America. <laughs> right, right. No, Mike, I, I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your call and, and, and those thoughts. Uh, let's go to John in Macomb County. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Sure. I, I've been lis- listening to this, and, uh, and my, my spin on this is quite simple. Jimmy Carter was the lightning rod that uh, brought Reagan into the White House. People were enormously disappointed yeah. in what he had done or hadn't done, and perceived him as an enormously weak leader, especially in foreign affairs, and in the whole tone and timber of the message that he brought forth to the American people. America's better days are behind them, and then the failed uh, the failed attempt to free our, our hostages in Iran. Right. I believe that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton are doing the same thing, that they are um, enlivening working people who believe that they have been disappointed, especially white working people. I've never seen in my adult life more division between the races, and I know you feel that yourself, sure. than there is right now. And I look at, you asked the question, is Trump uh, Lincoln or is Trump Reagan? He's neither. But Hillary Clinton is not John Kennedy or Franklin Roosevelt either. The real problem is that the Democrats are deluding themselves into they're lulling themselves into a comfort zone by thinking that Trump is an anomaly that idiots uh, will vote for. People on the other side of the equation, the Republican equation, and disenfranchised white working people yeah. are very, very, very discouraged. Yeah, no, that's real. I mean, I, I, that's the thing that I think you're right, that people are missing. That's not uh, an imagined uh, uh, emotion that 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 uh, people can't get ahead, that they can't uh, you know sustain what they need or want for their families. John, thanks very much uh, for the call. Let's go to uh, Teresa in Detroit. Welcome yes, to Detroit uh, today. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> I want to make a comment. Uh, the Texas um, when Barack Obama had gave his speech uh, on on police uh, um, um, the. You know, on the dead the police, police officers. officers, sure. Yeah, and he was calling Barack Obama. He was telling him in a way, to me, disrespectful, saying, you know, words have um, consequence for what you say. You know, and I was wondering, um, he should also tell Donald Trump that, too. That should go for Donald Trump, too. Because when you have a high, running for a high office like that, you know, it should be some rules in the game. You should not be allowed to say and stroke riots and cite, you know, to make things worse. 
I mean, the country is in a war, but you're not helping, and you're running for the highest office in the land. It should be for rules and regulations for, you know, that platform. You should not be allowed to just say and stroke, you know, <laughs> people into a frenzy. And then and the y- other day— And, I, Teresa, I think, do, you feel like, um, do you feel like you feel like Donald Trump is doing that? You feel like he's, he's exactly doing that uh, along with is that Time magazine or some magazine had put out a magazine, but I, I don't know if it's out there. Civil War, they stroking. You know, they have talking points. They accuse Barack Obama of doing the same thing that they're doing. Yeah. You know, and it goes on and on and on. It's like they want. It's like they want something to happen. Yeah. Teresa, thanks very much uh, for that call. Uh, let's go to David in Southfield. David, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Uh-huh. Um, I'd just like to make a comment that I think the problem, the reason why the Republican Party has problems is because of a kind of betrayal by the Democrats who left the Republican Party. Sure. And this created a void. That void resulted in other people taking over. And I think the best way to handle it is for some of the persons of the the Democratic Party to come back to the Republican Party. (laughs) Because if that happens, you wouldn't have people like Donald Trump and the other elements that have taken over. Yeah. Uh, David, that's a... That's a really interesting. That's a really interesting idea, uh, Professor Grumman. Uh, talk about what we heard there from the callers. Lots of lots of I think um, uncertainty about how all this fits together. How all of this um, sort of informs uh, what the Republican Party is going to look like going going forward. I think that really is the big question that starts getting asked this week in Cleveland and carries through to November. Well, I th- I do think that the Republicans wouldn't mind picking up a few Democratic votes. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> uh, 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 of that, I'm quite sure. But I think that in many ways, uh, this is about the future in ways that we really can't predict. A, a Trump victory will have consequences for the Republican Party that'll be different from a Trump loss, a Trump loss compared to uh, Trump getting crushed will also have different consequences. And I think that uh, in the end, uh, Republicans have a very difficult balancing act addressing the clearly sharply etched views Uh of their base with the uh, the need to reach beyond their base as the United States becomes an increasingly diverse society. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is is in the background of this election that is not being talked about as explicitly yet is that this this tremendous demographic change that's happening uh, and and unfolding uh, really is one of the things that informs Trump's ability to win, but also. Uh, the the desperate need for the Republican Party to grow its base. I mean, that's what we were talking about four years ago uh, when Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama. Mitt Romney himself talked about the need uh, to get more people 
uh, to broaden the message, to, to, to get more people from different kinds of backgrounds to, to vote Republican. Uh, now we seem to be seeing them double down on uh, an old constituency at the expense, really, of reaching out uh, to new ones. Well, I think that the danger for Republicans is uh, in the same way that the Goldwater candidacy uh, shattered uh, African-American support for Republicans yeah. this year te- has the potential to do that uh, with the Latino, Latina population. Sure. If I could just read yeah. uh, a an excerpt of a letter that Lincoln wrote sure. about <laughs> inclusiveness and the importance of inclusiveness, he was asked by someone whether he was a know-nothing Uh, the American Nativist Party, which was explicitly nativist and which the Republicans uh, ended up triumphing over. And what Lincoln wrote to his best friend, Joshua Speed, I am not a know-nothing. How could I be? How can anyone who abhors the oppression of Negroes be in favor of degrading classes of white people? Our progress in degeneracy appears to me pretty rapid. As a nation, we began by declaring all men created equal. We now practically read it, all men are created equal except Negroes. When the know-nothings get control, it will read, all men are created equal except Negroes and foreigners and Catholics. When it comes to this, I should prefer emigrating to some country where they make no pretense of loving liberty. To Russia, for example, where despotism can be taken pure and without the base alloy of hypocrisy. Wow. Abraham Lincoln, nearly two centuries ago, writing words that could be spoken pretty accurately today. Uh, Mark Kruman, history professor at uh, Wayne State University and founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about where this year's convention is positioned to fit in the discussion of old conventions with two people who've been covering this for a really long time. Chuck Wilbur, former WDET news director, and Patty Montemurray, former reporter with the Detroit Free Press, are here. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.